Hello and welcome to Food Systems, a podcast from the Forum for the Future of Agriculture, where we discuss new ideas that can shape a sustainable food system from farm to fork, from policy to consumers, and everything in between. I'm your host, Robert Agraf, and you can find us on Twitter at Forum for Ag. These episodes will be available every other week on all major podcast platforms. Before we get started, we'd like to say a quick thank you to the FFA founding partners, the European Landowners Organization and Syngenta, as well as the FFA strategic partners, Cargill, The Nature Conservancy, Rabobank, Thought for Food and the World Wildlife Fund. Please enjoy this episode. Today we are fortunate to be joined by Felix zu Löwenstein. He is the chair of the Bund Ökologische Lebensmittelwirtschaft, an organic farmer and also has even written a book about the need for an ecological transition for agriculture called Food Crash. Felix, welcome to Food Systems. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. I wanted to pick up on part of the conversation you were having with the FFA live event in Berlin. And I thought one of your most interesting remarks was that the food system isn't working for farmers. I was wondering if you could expand on that a little bit. Well, I think what I said is that I'm very surprised to see so many farmers protesting in order to to keep the existing system. But if you you look on the farms, even though there will be many who, who run well, but most of them have economic problems. They are not really happy in what they are doing. In Germany, just 40% of the farms have somebody ready to take over the farm in the next generation. So um, I I, I think all farmers should have an interest in transforming the farming system or the agricultural system, which, which necessarily involves transforming the entire food system. That's a very valid critique. So if you were to sort of say pinpoint the problem a bit and say this is the problem where it goes wrong. Is it to do with our production systems? Is it to do with the price we pay in supermarkets? Where does the the food system break down for the farmer? On the the mid-term run and on the long term um, even more, it is that we uh, overuse or even destroy our very production foundations. I'm talking about stable climate, I'm talking about soil fertility and the soil full of life, and I'm talking about biodiversity. And um, while, and this is what I was talking about, um, while we are doing all that, we are not even having situation a situation where farmers can be happy with what they are doing because they're earning much money and then and have a good job and, and, and have a relaxed life or something like that. So um, the, the need for the transformation comes mainly from the external effects of our production on public goods, but it is supported, the need is supported by the, by the personal situation of, of the farmers. It always strikes me is that farmers are caught in a bind between quite low production prices. There's not much money in farming. If I remember correctly, I think the EU average for for a family farm income is something about 16,500 euros per year. I think we could both easily agree that that is not a sustainable system. But on the other hand, um, as was also discussed in Berlin, we do sort of function through the price mechanism and the price of food overall is quite cheap. So 
Farm, consumers pay little money, which is good because food should be accessible uh, to all, but the distribution of that doesn't strike me as quite right. Um, and the farmer, as you say, works very hard and maybe does not have the right tools to respect the, the medium to long-term ecological prospects of the farm. Would I be remiss in saying that to you, organic farming represents the solution to this problem? Let's take it a bit broader. Our problem is that many of the costs we are causing by producing are not charged to the product and producer and not to the product. And this is why, why products are so cheap. And in, in the same moment, this is why, why our whole consumption patterns are wrong, because they base on prices which are not true. So it's, it's both. Sorry, it's, if I may interrupt, is the, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, the price it, for organic farming, is that more reflective of the true cost? It certainly is, because, because it doesn't contain um, um, damages to, to, to public goods like water, biodiversity, etc., which you can, which you, there, uh, there are a lot of studies um, now where, where you can, can put that in numbers, which, must, which, which doesn't say that the way we are doing organic farming is already the perfect model for the future. And if we all did what organic farmers are doing now, everything will be solved. That's not what I'm saying. But com compared to what we call conventional, because it, it became normal in the last um, 50 years, compared to that, organic farming is the solution. Even though we have to invest in, in, in research, we have to invest in, in, in training to improve organic farming as a system. I think that's a very interesting point to, to stick on for a moment because some of the research we were doing before this episode, there was a good market brief done by the European Commission, which we will link to in the show notes. It does say that in comparison to the conventional methods of farming with its problems in Germany, the average yield for wheat, for example, is about 40% per hectare of what it is for conventional farming. For grain, it's about 80%, so there's a 20% loss. For milk, it's about 75%, so there's a 25% loss. So perhaps if, if this method is better, and let's stipulate for now that, that it is and that it should be further improved, is it still, if we took this conversion, if we, we did a more organic and we assume that organic gets better over time, can we still suffer these sort of production losses without... Food security is always a diff difficult argument for me, but, but at least without sort of creating a price spike that, that some, certainly people on lower income, would find difficult to, to swallow. This is what my book here mentioned is about, because this question is crucial. Is um, organic farming and organic food luxury for rich people, or is it a, a solution for, for, for all of us? This is very important to us, to the organic farmers, and to us who are representing organic farming in, the, in, in society and in, in politics. And as you can write whole books about it, the answer can be very short. But, but um, what strikes me is very often you find people who, who make calculations, recently a study in, 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 in um, England, to say you need more surface when you 
do organic and renewable because the yields are lower. When you need more surface, you have to plow the natural um, reserve um, surfaces and all that. So it's bad for um, environment or it's bad for climate because um, you produce less per, per hectare and so on. But if we, we, we both agree, I guess, that we are talking about a mental or intellectual experiment because right now we have 5% of organic in, in, in all Europe. So, but if you do such an experiment to say what would happen if we had 100% organic, then you cannot stop at the farm gate because it would change things in our consumption patterns. And if you know that 40% of the world grain, and in Germany it's even 60%, it is, I guess it's true for most European countries, of the grain goes to, to animals. The question how much meat we do eat is very crucial. If you see that in industrialized countries like ours, um, that in industrial countries, industrialized countries like ours, 50% of what we are producing in the stable and on the field does never reach the plate. And if you see that the same um, percentage never reach the plate, reach the plate in, in developing countries because of bad infrastructure, no cooling systems, bad transportation and storing and all that stuff, then you see that the real resource for having enough food is not to produce 100% by, uh, uh, with the trade-off of, um, of many damages for public goods. But the, 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 the reserve is how do we consume? The problem, at least if I, may, if I understood it correctly, is that it's not so much that we don't produce enough food. It's a problem of um, what we can consume and how it is distributed rather than the production method itself. I think most people would not disagree that that food waste, certainly at the sort of large scales that, that we see it um, in Europe still and then in the developing world is a, is a problem that we need to tackle. Uh, I, th I, I don't think anybody listening to this would, would disagree with that. But I wanted to briefly come back to organic farming. The European Commission has proposed its farm-to-fork strategy. It says that by, I believe, 2030, 25% of European farming should be organic. Now, I have spoken to a number of farmers who've said, I have converted to organic primarily because I get a higher price at the farm gate, which is a perfectly logical, reasonable method to change your production system. But my question would be, is if you have a larger conversion to organic farming, then the supply of it goes up, and therefore you would assume that the, the price premium you get goes down. So... Not necessarily, because... <laughs> I mean, of, of course, when, when the European Commission talks about 25% organic and is setting up an organic action plan um, now to, to reach that goal, and we are doing the same things in many, many member states, you cannot um, just concentrate on uh, farms. You have to concentrate on, this, on the entire value chain. And this is what must happen also when we, when we try to, to get these, uh, the, the 25%. We have to. Uh, we are talking, for example, about um, about uh, um, food in in uh, public canteens, 
we are talking about about um, making people understand what is behind the organic label to make it known. There's many things. To- Do you believe that that European authorities or national or even local governments have a duty and a responsibility? to either promote organic or change their sourcing patterns? or How do you believe that that should function? We have that in Germany and in many other countries that um, that we set up action plans and that can be done uh, much more, of course, but we, 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 do, we always see the entire value chain. This is what is decisive. And this is why, I mean, when I started organic farming back in 92, it was just three or four percent percent in Germany. We 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 now we are now beyond ten percent. So now uh, back then, people said the same thing. Oh God, now a big farmer like Felix is 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 converting, and that will destroy our markets. No, I mean things are changing. Cons- consumption patterns are changing. We had in in the three months during Corona crisis. We had 40% increase of organic um, sales. So this will happen. But on the other side, let's make clear, we won't change the problems we have just by 25% organic. We have to change the other 75% as well. And my biggest goal for me is to be not to be necessary anymore. Which means we, we will have to have a hundred percent sustainable um, ecological way to farm and to produce our food and of course to to consume. I noticed that you make an interesting distinction here between organic on the one hand. If you talk about the difference between organic farming and a hundred percent sustainable, you seem to make a differential between Organic, which is a production system that has certain limits, characteristics that are fairly programmatic, fairly descriptive, no um, synthetic pesticides, for example. On the other hand, you say we should come to 100% sustainable farming. Is there a place for conventional techniques, for technologies such as seed breeding or biological pesticides developed by some of the bigger pesticide companies in that 100% vision? Or does it does it all fall under the rule set that we currently see as organic, and that would presumably evolve over time? The rule set the rule set is made to 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 transport an information to the consumer via a label. And if I talk about hundred percent organic, we need I, I I'm not talking about hundred um, percent um, labeled food for the simple reason that we can't wait as long. For me, the 25% goal of the European Commission is just a tool for the transformation we need. But we need the transformation of the whole scale. And what farming will look like and what organic farming will look like in 10, 20 years when we really trigger changes, I cannot describe that. The only thing it won't look like today The overarching goal for all that is we have to produce our food in a way that there is no costs to the environment, to our very production base that we we cause um, without paying for it. And then we we will end up, I don't know with what. What I'm convinced, by the way, is that that we should, we have to get rid 
of substances we use in the open natural system, um, that this natural system did not learn over the evolution. I'm talking about chemical substances, synthetic substances, because they are at the base of many, many problems um, that we face. Would you count fertilizer as one of those? I mean, that has been, if you go back to things like guano, um, which is fairly natural, but 100 years old, but specifically sort of the Haber-Bosch engineered synthetic pesticides based on phosphates, is, is that one of the substances you would refer to? Um, in the organic rules, we, we are not allowed to, to use um, nitrogen fertilizer, artificial. Um, uh, this is due to the fact that um, this is at the beginning of many problems we, we face. Um, we wouldn't need many, many fungicides, for example, if we would not have um, um, nitrogen fertilizer. We have a big problem with, uh, with, with too much nitrogen in the, eco, in the, in the ecological systems because of that. Um, if in 20, 30 years, when, when my dream is fulfilled of 100% sustainable agriculture, there's still some, um, some nitrogen fertilizer or not, that's not my problem. But we, we, have, we have, to, we have to, to have stable systems that can work with what nature gives us and that doesn't mean, need crutches um, that damage nature and without uh, these crutches, um, um, the whole system collapses. And this is the description of what we have today. Okay. And this is, then I want to get back to, because I think this is what we, we talked about earlier in our conversation, which is the question of the externalities, the negative side effects in terms of water, biodiversity, air, and other problems that are currently not being paid for, quite frankly, by anybody. Um, neither farmers, nor the food chain, nor the consumer. Who do you believe should pay for that? I give you an example. Um, in, in, in France in the year 2011, the government wanted to know how much money the water plants um, paid to, to clean the water from pesticides and, nitri and nitrate in order to fulfill the, the European thresholds. And they found out it's one and a half billion euro per year paid by the water consumers for something which is caused by agriculture. And in the same study, they calculated knowing how much nitrogen and, and pesticides enter in the groundwater table in the entire um, uh, surface of France. They calculated how much it would take to take everything back out, which is infiltrated in the water every year. The number is 50 billion euro. And this shows the, the, the amount of what we are talking about. But, but, but those, and, if I may, those yeah. are, I mean, that is, that is also the problem. These are the externalities. Those are not paid yeah, for. No, so if we no. wanted to take the 50 billion, take it out of the ground, as I, I certainly believe would be appropriate, or the 15 billion, sorry, the one and a half billion every year that, we, that France uses in water treatment, that is 56 and a half billion, give or take. If it doesn't leak into the ground and then we treat it as, as an external waste, where does the 56 billion come from? No, but, but that's the, the problem is the one and a half billion is paid. It's just not paid for food. But it is just to show the magnitude of what we are talking about. 
but that the biodiversity losses we face will cost very much money is for certain. In Berlin, I mentioned a study which is three weeks old that has been conducted in, in Kenya. What they wanted to find out is what happens in freshwater um, rivers and, and lakes when there is pesticide residues. And they found that even very low residues, low, lower than thresholds, cause a, a differentiation of the, of the ecosystem. So there are organisms that diminish because they are not very well, they can't cope very well with that, and others increase. And the funny thing is, no, not funny, the, the shocking thing is, the species which multiplies most is a snail containing the, the infectant for schistomosis. It's a, I'm, I'm not sure which, which it's disease a, it's, you're referring it's a to, disease, but I'm sure it's fairly unpleasant. It's, it's a disease which kills 140,000 people in Africa every year. So this is an externality. And you, you could even put it into numbers. And if, you, and if you put these numbers on the pesticides, which are the cause for that, and now we are at the question how, we, how could, should we internalize costs? then you would have a big difference. And my, my suggestion is to, 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 um, to charge um, money on pesticides and on nitrogen fertilizer to make it much more expensive and then leave it to the farmer how to diminish it. So try not to, to, to dictate to the farmer too much what he has to do, but to set the, uh, the economic frame in a way that he has biggest interest in reducing pesticides. And then, the, sorry, in the, next, in the next step of my, of my proposition is to take that, do not take that money to put it into some pro programs, but to give it back per hectare to the farmer in order not to take away that money from agriculture, but just use it as a steering instrument. Okay, that brings us to an interesting point, and, and this is something I'd like to, to follow up with you in the time we have left. We are not just at the edge of the farm-to-fork strategy. The common agricultural policy, the reform, is still ongoing. There are many voices on either side of the spectrum saying it does not go far enough either in the direction of biodiversity and others that say, no, it does not go far enough in the protection of the farming system as, as we know it, um, even though you've clearly stated that that has problems inherent into it. Do you believe that the reform of the common agricultural policy as it currently stands is fit to address some of these challenges? Because that is the largest amount of money that Europe has to spend. And I think even most member states would be willing to spend on agriculture, which is not, let us be honest, a big part of the European overall economy. Yeah, I mean... The, the answer is clearly no. It doesn't address, and it is not um, it is not coherent with the with the goals of of the farm to fork strategy and the biodiversity strategy. Uh, we, we we need much more change than that. We need we need much, and in the end, we need a system where all the public money spent there pays farmers for public services which the market pay, doesn't pay them for. This must be the end. And we both would agree, I guess, that what farmers cannot 
uh, afford is um, cruel, abrupt changes. So if you cut that money away, which is distributed by hectare up to now, if you cut it away today, um, tomorrow, uh, even our farm here would have a lot of problems. Thank you very much for your time. Before we let you go, I would like to finish on one final question. Given all that we have discussed, and I were to give you a magic lamp and you rub it, the genie comes out, and I would offer you one entry point. What would be the, your one solution for a more sustainable food system? Where would we begin today? Today, where we stand, the most powerful instrument we have at our disposal is the Common Agricultural Policy, which um, spends as much money as uh, correspondence correspondence with um, 16% of the gross sales of the European farmers. And we have to direct this in a way um, that pays for the services we need from the farmers. We have to start to transform it today. This is one thing. The second thing, of course, is that in, in, uh, we, we have to change the, the rules for how we treat public goods or animal welfare. But we cannot do that if we do not, in the same time, make sure that we have no unfair competition from production outside of the European Communion coming in, um, not complying with these standards. And this is why we should listen to the, uh, the, the suggestion of the uh, European Commission connected to products produced with low carbon prices. There we were talking about um, border adjustments and we will have to do the same thing for low agricultural standards. Felix Lohenstein, that was certainly a wide-ranging interview. I think very interesting. I think we will both find out in the coming years uh, and months how much of it will be realized under the next CAP and the farm to fork strategy. Thank you very much for coming on Food Systems and thank you very much for your participation in the FFA Live event in Berlin. Um, I hope you have a good day. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to an episode of Food Systems, a podcast brought to you by the Forum for the Future of Agriculture. Look for us in two weeks when we release our new episode. And in the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app as well as on Twitter, at ForumFrag, for updates on this podcast, news, as well as FFA events. Please check out our website, www.forumforagriculture.com, for more great content. Thank you for listening and enjoy your day. Music